Can you think of something you owned in the past that you wore, that you drove perhaps, or that you sat in or lived in, and it had gotten very old, very worn, very torn, matted, very dirty. In fact, at times it just kind of smelled. You didn't maybe notice it, but somebody else did. Man, that stinks. And you hadn't gotten rid of it. You held on to it. You got used to it. You were comfortable with it. It was kind of you. Then you got a new one. A new chair, a new shirt, a new cap, a room of new room of carpeting, a car, a house to replace the old one. And then as you sat sat there sitting in it or wearing it or walking on it or whatever you thought why did I hold on to that thing for so long? <laughs> why? And why would you ever think of going back to the old after you'd encountered and experienced something new? The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church at the Ephesians, at Ephesus, made a similar contrast between the old and the new. Not a contrast between a chair's oldness or newness or a shirt or a cap. The old self, their former way of life, the old nature compared to their new self, the new nature, their new way of life. Turn, if you would, in your scriptures to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll be reading... Verses 22 through 24. I'll be reading from the ESV this morning. Ephesians 4, 24, 22 through 24. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupted through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness, and holiness. Pray with me if you would. Father God, I pray. Lord, as we look into your word here this morning, Lord, and as we've sung praises to you, and as we've prayed and cried out to you, pray that thus far it's been pleasing and honoring and glorifying to you. And Lord, I pray now as we look into your word, that there would be clarity. Lord, help me to articulate your truth. Lord, if anything that is said that is not of you, that would be quickly forgotten, but the scriptures that are read, that will be read this morning, may they penetrate our hearts and may they grow us, change us, or perhaps for the first time, draw us to you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As Paul looks at the old self versus the new self, in verses 17 through 21, he examines in detail the old self and what it looked like. And then in verses 25 through 32, he demonstrates what the new self is to look like. If you have spent any time studying the book of Ephesians 
and reading through it a few times, you see that the first three chapters focus on the newness on the inside. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 focuses on the newness on the outside. What it looks like. Behavior. Conduct. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul expresses the importance of what I would say our study is this morning. He says, therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord... That's one of the things as we spend time in church, we hear he was a prisoner. He was, you know, that kind of just kind of goes right one ear out the other or right, right over our head or whatever. Here the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is penning a letter while in prison. And I would contend, not like our prisons today, not that I'm saying those are a vacation spa, but not the same. He was thinking about praying for the church at Ephesus. I would contend all scripture is for all times. It's for us as well this morning. The importance of our study this morning, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk, to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Go back to verse 22. He says, To put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Paul, prior to this, clarified what the old self, what the natural man looks like. How does he live? How does he conduct himself? What kind of behavior does he exhibit? And it all begins with verse 17b, where it says, in the futility of their minds. What does that mean? The futility of their minds. They walk, they live, their conduct, their behavior is void of useful aim or a goal. Void of useful aim or a goal. No direction. No real purpose. As a result, in verse 18, he says, they are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They are comfortable with the old self. After all, it is the natural man. Paul referred to it back in 1 Corinthians 2 as the natural man. Making the same bad choices over and over and over, resulting in a hardened heart. When you work with your hands, day after day, you may be one of those folks. I am not. But what begins to happen after working with your hands, if you're working construction or uh, working landscaping or whatever, something typically outdoors or in a factory, there's a thickening, there's a hardening part of the skin that becomes rough. 
It tends to lose its feeling and sensitivity. That's why you can do a lot of stuff and it doesn't hurt. You don't cut your fingers quite as much when you have those calluses. Verse 19. Paul says they have become callous. They've become callous, lost feeling, lost sensitivity. They become callous, given themselves up to sensuality, to greed, to practice every kind of impurity. This word, sensuality, we get our word licentiousness. It means life without personal standards or social sanctions. Outrageous behavior. The New Testament correlates that word with three distinct activities. It's associated with drunkenness, right? Without personal sanctions or social standards. Without personal standards and, and, and social sanctions, right? Being ignorant, right? You've seen people out and about, right? Drunkenness. Also associated with adultery. Not just the act of adultery, but sexual perversion. Taking it to extremes over and over and over. Like animals, living like animals. The third way that it's talked about is greediness. Uncontrollable lust. Lest we think about any of that too much, it's an ugly, disgusting picture of self-gratification and perversion without regard for others. Sound familiar? We have transgenderism, we have homosexuality, lesbianism, bisexuality pornography that is busting at the seams everywhere, including the church. Lust, greed for power and control, no matter what it costs or who it hurts. I was talking to one of my sons yesterday or the day before, and it's just like, I, again, I'm not trying to be political here, but I, you look at individuals and you see these people are well past life expectancy, right? Well past life expectancy. When you're born a man, it's 72. When you're born a woman, a female, it's 75. The older you get, life expectancy becomes long, longer, right? But these folks have outlived what should have happened at birth. They have grandkids. They have kids. But there is such a control, a desire for power and control to continue. No matter what it costs. Their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids. <laughs> and who it hurts, their kids, their grandkids, their great-grandkids. Do we see that in our culture? Before we get too heavy-handed with our own culture right now, it's seen in every culture since Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> Nothing new. It's a consistent pattern Ungodly thinking, emptiness of mind, darkening in one's understanding, ignorant of the truth about God, hardness of heart, shamefulness, no morals, no conscience, and filled with lust. Not running from, but running to every kind of perversion. 
The old self is very much alive, or better said, very much dead than ever in our own culture. But again, lest we get too high and mighty about our culture, it's in us, was in us, prior to the miracle of salvation. Paul said in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, And you, church at Ephesus, prior to conversion, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, controlled and influenced by the world, the flesh, and the devil. (laughs) As we think about these things, we need to keep in mind if this morning you're here or watching or listening, And an unbeliever. The thought is probably going through your mind. I'm not that bad. (laughs) Right? I'm a pretty good dad. I'm a pretty good husband. I'm a pretty good provider. I work hard. I'm not a believer, but I'm not that bad. And if we're believers here this morning, as you think back prior to conversion, I wasn't that bad then. (laughs) The response should be, biblically, not yet. By the grace of God, His common grace, we are not as bad as we could be, right? Scripture says in in, uh, uh, Romans 3.10, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one on their own seeks after God. There's varying degrees. Hey, I'm not that bad, or I wasn't that bad. Response is not yet. You could be. The unregenerate heart can be that. Verse 17 says, They walked as Gentiles did in the futility of their minds. Then we see, like we do, I'm not going to take the time to look there, earlier in Ephesians, the beautiful, encouraging conjunction, but, but, that is not the way, verse 20 and 21, but that is not the way you learn Christ. That is not the way you came to know Christ. It doesn't say the way you learned about Christ. There's a lot of people that know a lot of things about Christ that are unbelievers, maybe even atheists. They've got it all figured out. They know about Christ, but they've not learned Christ. They have not come to know Christ. And Paul says, assuming that you have heard about Jesus and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. You heard, right? Faith comes by what? Hearing. 
Earlier in the letter, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul said, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, right? The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to pay the penalties for my sins, right? Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, the infinite God-man, 100% God, 100% man, 100% unique, right? Hebrews 4 said, He was tempted in every way except without sin, never sinning, right? To satisfy the wrath of God. Jesus paid for my sins, I deserve his wrath, I deserve his punishment, I deserve eternal damnation because of what a Christ did on the cross. He paid for my sins. If I repent of my sins and trust in him completely for my eternal destination, my eternal life, I'm saved, I'm regenerate. And believed in him, Paul said in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. John fourteen six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 John five nineteen and 20. We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Paul was saying, you have learned Christ. You have heard about Christ. You were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And Paul says, as a result, as a result, verse 22, put off your old self. All begins at regeneration. All begins with repentance of our sins and trusting in Christ and what he did on the cross, which belongs to the former manner of life. Walking like a Gentile. How do the Gentiles walk? 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul says they walked in a way not knowing God. They didn't know God. They didn't trust God. They didn't follow God. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. What are those? They're promising joy and gain and fulfillment, but always falling short and keeping you wanting for more and never satisfying and ultimately leading to death and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, throw it away. Like an old, worn out, torn, dirty, smelly piece of clothes. Like grave clothes. Like Lazarus, come forth. Get rid of those cloths, the clothes, and throw them off. Get rid of them. Throw them away. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Brothers and sisters, think about this. We have New minds. Off with the old self. 
We're no longer, there's futility in our thinking. There's no longer darkening of our understanding. There's no longer ignorance of the truth. I pray that you can all testify to that this morning. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Listen to this. But we, you and I, if we're followers of Christ, have the mind of Christ. Things have changed. Old self. New self. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says, So do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look, ponder, meditate on, think about, look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. I have thought about this a lot recently. We just celebrated July 4th. I love our country. I don't love everything about our country, but in general, I love our country. I love our constitution. I love our freedoms. I love them. I have had the privilege of growing up under them all of my 60 years. I want that for my kids. I want that for my grandkids. Someday great-grandkids, I hope and pray. But at the end of the day, that's temporary. We as Christians need to remember that. I can be fully patriotic and love my country, but realize it is temporary. (laughs) It may be a few years. It may be another hundred years. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it is temporary, right? It is not eternal. The United States of America will not go on for all of eternity. That will not happen. I need to be thinking about things that are eternal. That needs to be my focus. My mind has changed. It should be on eternal things, not just on stuff that's temporary, not that we don't think about, don't misunderstand me, not that we don't vote, not that we don't care. I hope you get what I'm saying, right? Talking at the end of the day, what's eternal? It's spending eternity with my Lord. What do we think about? Philippians 4, 8. New. What should, what should we be thinking about? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent. If anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. It's going to be right here. Right? I'm not saying that's all we need to think about, but you get my point, right? What do we think about? What's on our minds, right? What do you spend your time thinking about? What monopolizes your thoughts? If I want to be really, really convicted, I can start thinking even in the last, since I've been up, six o'clock, what I've been thinking about. Not all things I would want to tell you. Paul says, 
put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life through deceitful desires, thinking about dwelling upon that which is ungodly, worldly, fleshly of the devil, producing ultimately worldly, fleshly, satanic conduct and behavior. Say, well, hey, that's not me. That's what we can become as unregenerate. Look in history. People who you can say, fleshly, worldly, demonic. Paul says, don't stop there. Put off the old self. And, verse 24, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Together, a package deal. Our part, put it off. God's part, after our repentance, after our trusting in Christ alone, Paul says this new self, listen, is created. It's supernatural. We can see, haven't seen him recently, but individuals can pack out coliseums to heal. I oftentimes say, why don't they go to the hospital, into the nursing homes? Maybe they don't have enough faith. But think about it. There's no more miraculous healing than old self, new self. Not having understanding, now I have understanding. Natural man, mind of Christ. Nothing is more miraculous than that. It's created. It all begins with a creator. Who creates? God creates, right? Not the old self-improved. Not the new and improved you. That's not what it is. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Think back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth out of what? Nothing. Out of nothing. Let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make, let us create man in our image after our likeness. The uniqueness of man. Unique compared to any other of the creation. Animals or plants or whatever. In his rational life, man was like God in the sense he had reason. He had intellect, will, emotion. From a moral sense, he was like God. He was good and sinless. Then came what? Genesis chapter 3. The image of God in man was defaced. It was defaced. Thus the need for restoration, for reconciliation, for Salvation for the gospel, right? Making a new man, new self, new creation. Ephesians 2.15 says, By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Jews... God's chosen people who he came and ministered to, gave the commandments to. 
Gentiles, those who did not walk with God. Some did, but in general didn't, right? Making the two one. Repentance, trusting in Christ. Now a new creation. Jews and Gentiles can function together, worshiping the same God with the same new mind. New New man. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 4, 24 says, And put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. By which he has granted to us, us believers, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers, listen to this, of the divine nature, having escaped from corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Righteousness is a Christian's moral responsibility to others. Holiness is a Christian's responsibility to God. Pastor Mike read Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. The latter commandments let us, tells us how to treat our neighbor in true righteousness. The former commandments tell us how to worship the one true God. So, What does that new self look like regarding conduct, regarding behavior towards our fellow man? We see it in verses 25 through 32. As we go through these, incidentally, I'm not going to do it justice. Each one of these could be an entire message or multiple messages. This isn't rocket science. It's practical Christian living. We're going to go through this and you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, okay, I know that. Yeah, 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 I know that. Do we practice it? Do we put off and put on and live this way? We are called, brothers and sisters, to be different from the world. There should be something different about us. We are to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt, deceitful desire, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We have the same choices to make in life, whether it's as the old self or the new self. But God has a different plan for us as a new creation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We don't become reconciled to God because of good works. We do good works, and we're called to good works because we've been reconciled to God. Get it? That can get messed up, right? That's not what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures teach we're regenerate 
then the good works represent that. Not the good works and somehow appease God. This is how we are to walk our conduct, our behavior as new creations. Here's what it's to look like. Here's the good works. Verse 25, Therefore, putting away, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Remember, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't lie. Put off the old self. Put off lying. Put on the new self. Put on truth-telling as a new creation. Lying. Cheating, right? Cheating on our taxes. Cheating on a test. Here's one. Exaggeration. Embellishing the story. That's not truth. You all have heard individuals that you've heard their testimonies. And they brought you to tears. Oh, God worked. Oh. And then a few years later you hear, well, that really wasn't the real story. (laughs) That doesn't represent the new creation. That doesn't represent the new self. Again, please understand me. I'm not talking at you. I'm talking to me, and you're listening. Okay? Telling the truth. Excuses. Giving all the excuses for why this didn't happen or that didn't happen. But it's not true. How about betraying confidences? Been there, done that. (laughs) Had to confess that. But that's not part of the new self. That's the old self. Throw it away. The first sin that was judged harshly, and it can't be any harsher than this, (laughs) in the church, in the book of Acts, was in Acts 5. Ananias and Sapphira struck down because of what? Lying. Verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You shall not murder. Jesus did some clarification at the heart of all of this on the Sermon on the Mount when he said, But I say that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable of judgment. Aristotle said anyone can become angry but to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, in the right way. That isn't easy. (laughs) There's a huge caution here, brothers and sisters. And as I was studying this this last week, it just hit me and just convicted me terribly. No, convicted me, that's a good thing. (laughs) To confess. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. What does the devil want to do to us as believers? Destroy us. Seeks to destroy us. To devour us. We should be angry at injustice, of immorality, ungodliness. 
but not 24-7. Stop thinking about it. Don't let sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. There's a passage in Mark. Let me read it. Such balance of our Lord and Savior. And I think it, it, it was just like eye-opening to me. Again, he entered the synagogue, Mark 3, 1 through 5, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with a withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he, Jesus, looked around at them with Anger. Now, what's the next word? Comma. Grieved at their hardness of heart. What a wonderful perspective about the stuff that's going on in our world. Righteous anger. This is defacing the name of God. This is wrong. But what do natural men do? What do men who are the old self, what do they do? They sin. (laughs) They have depraved thinking. Varying degrees. We just talked about that. But sinners do what sinners do. We're to be different. Responding, our conduct, our behavior as the new self. those folks aren't able to understand. That's the truth of the Bible. You might say, hey, they can figure it out. Well, maybe so. The Bible doesn't say that. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. We don't think correctly. We have the natural mind. It doesn't think the same way as the mind of Christ. It is created. It's supernatural. James 1.20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Romans 12, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Thou shalt not steal. Put off the old self. Put off stealing. Put, off, put on the new self. Put on work. Work. Providing for ourselves providing for our families, providing for those who may have needs that, that are falling on hard times. I, I don't know if I want to go. I was saying this to Heidi as I was driving over, as I was thinking through in my mind. We have businesses going out of business because there aren't workers. We got businesses paying 14 bucks an hour to flip hamburgers. You realize a husband and wife, they don't have kids, work 14 bucks. That's 28 bucks an hour, right, combined? That's good money. (laughs) Flipping hamburgers, for goodness sake. And we can't get people to do it. Why? Because they're getting more money by not doing it. Is that stealing? You think about that. Because the justification can be, hey, man, I paid my taxes. Well, you know what? Probably shouldn't, shouldn't, well, give to the church, right? How many years have you given to the church? Is it right for me to go out in the box this afternoon and pull that out and stick it in my pocket? Hey, justified, right? 
That's stealing. Theft. We are to be different. And again, I know there's circumstances. I get it. Don't, don't, don't uh, judge me on that. I, just as I was thinking through that, I'm thinking, it's like seeing that before our very eyes. Is that stealing? I don't know. Lord, convict people if it is to stop that. Verse 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as is fit for the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Put off the old self. Put off corrupt talk. Corrupt, it's like foul, it's rotten, it stinks. Put on the new self. Put on encouragement. Matthew fifteen eighteen says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. What is in our heart? It comes out of our mouth. Brothers and sisters, be energy givers. Pour into people. Right? Godliness. Encouraging people. Encouraging people in the faith. Don't, if you're mature, go to our younger families and say, Wow, I'm glad I'm not raising kids now. Don't say that. Don't say that. That's hurtful. That's unkind. That's not good talk. Now, again, there can be truth in, you know, just kind of joke. But don't say that. Encourage them. For such a time as this, they are having children, raising up to be godly kids, godly mom and dads, raising godly kids. Encourage that. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I think Paul is saying one more time, in a sense, Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Be obedient. Live the new creation. Don't go back and live the old self and grieve the one of whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And then Paul concludes here with a summary of the new self, the new creation, and what it represents. Verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearting, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Does that cut to the heart? If you've got somebody that you're struggling with forgiving, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. My sins put him on the cross. Yours put him on the cross as well. But I need to think about my sins. If I think about my sins and what Christ has done in my own heart, forgiving me of things that I did this morning, for goodness sakes, that I had to confess. And I can't forgive you? The new self. It should be represented here in your families, in your workplace, wherever we go. Based on our study here this morning, do we have a choice? We are not our own, we've been bought with a price. We have been created after the likeness of God.
hey, let's have a bloop, redo. No. It's not the way it works. We don't have a choice. We are part of the family of God. We belong to each other. God is our head, right? Ministering one to another. A beautiful thing. Our destiny to glorify God. This is not our home. We are merely passing through, the song says. So how did this happen? How do we do this on a practical way, in a practical way? Just some thoughts. Again, no rocket science here either. Learn to talk to yourself. Don't, don't, not in the sense, I mean, you don't have to like mouth the words, right? Like yesterday I was out on the patio and I was going through things and I got to thinking, is anybody looking out the windows back here, seeing me talking? You know, I think I'm, who am I talking to? Some guy across from me that's not sitting there? No. But we need to learn to talk to ourselves. And I can say this truthfully and honestly. In fact, there have been times where Heidi will say to me, what'd you say? Because there's something in my mind that I'm thinking, stop it. And it comes, rather than me just saying it in my, I say the words. Stop it. Don't go there. Stop thinking that. That's the old self. Now, again, I'm not saying I'm bringing this message in, but that's what I'm saying. Stop. That's not of God. That's sinning. Preach to ourselves. Talk to ourselves. Gang, the only way you're going to be doing that is if you're thinking about this stuff. If you're thinking it on Sunday and that's it, it ain't happening. It just flat isn't happening. Put off. Put on principle. Think 2 Timothy 3.16. Talk to our young people about this all the time. I quote this verse all the time. All scripture is God-buried and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every time you read the scriptures, every time you come to a, to, a, to a meeting, studying the scriptures, talking about the scriptures, in a class, think that. What is this teaching me? Oh, there's the rebuke. Oh, I was putting on the old self there. What should I do? Correction. Put it off. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Think about things that are true, that are noble, that are pure, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. Think about such things. That only happens if you read Scripture. (laughs) Read Scripture. How many have read, and this would be a wonderful thing to do. Pastor Jason's been going through the book of John. How many times in your homes, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, especially if you have kids, Have you read through the Gospel of John in the last however many months that we've been in John? Do you want to make Scripture come alive to your kids? Do it at home. Don't just do it here. So when you hear Pastor Jason talking about a past... Hey, Daddy, you just talked about that the other night. Hey, we talked about that together. That the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. Do you know how long it takes to read the book of Ephesians? Six chapters. If you're a pretty fast reader, maybe 15, 16 minutes. If you're slow, maybe 18 and 20. We don't have eight minutes, 10 minutes in the morning, eight minutes at night, 10 minutes at night to read through the book of Ephesians. How many times could we read through the book of Ephesians in a month? Would this become part of us? 
Would we be thinking about it all the time? Yeah, there's unrest out there. Yeah, but I need to be thinking about the things that are eternal. I need to be responding. Yeah, I'm angry. I need to let it go. I need to think about this. I need to be thinking, these people are doing what sinners do, and I need to pray for them. I need to share Christ with them. I need to be different than them. Pray continually. Scripture says that. And community. Gang, we need each other. We need you. If COVID has not shown anything, it's shown that. I hope it's shown that to you. We need to be together. We need to encourage each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to, can I say it? Touch each other. Hug each other sometimes appropriately. Okay. Let me conclude with this. Ephesians 4.1. Kind of how we started. Paul said, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you and me to walk, to live in a manner that's worthy of the calling which you have been called. Let's pray. Father God, We love you, we worship you, we praise you, we honor you, we adore you, we thank you. We thank you for the wonderful, wonderful gift of salvation. Lord, just to think about your word, that at times I find myself kind of getting caught up in, yeah, I've heard that, yeah, I know that, yeah, but Lord... It's supernatural. You did that in my heart. I didn't deserve that. You did that in these individuals here this morning's heart. They did not deserve that either. But your grace and your mercy was extended. And thank you for that. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, May they be drawn to you. Lord, I can honestly say, faith comes by hearing the message. The message has been said, not anything I've said, but from your word. Faith comes by hearing the message. The message of salvation. That has been said. And Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, my prayer is that you would draw them to yourself to repent of their sins, and trust in you for their eternal salvation, their eternal destiny, and to walk in newness of life. May we walk in newness of life. May we think about you. May we meditate on you. May we talk about you. May that be a topic of conversation in our homes. It doesn't have to be all the time, Lord, but every day to pour something into our kids Every day, pour something into our spouse. Every day when we have opportunity, pour something into our grandkids about things that are eternal, not temporary things, not always temporary things, but eternal things that matter for all of eternity. Lord, we love you, we worship you, we praise you, we honor and glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen.